Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for standing by and welcome to the Trivago Q2 Earnings Call 2021. I must advise you, the call is being recorded today, Friday the 30th of July 2021. We are pleased to be joined on the call today by Axel Hefer, Trivago's CEO and Managing Director, and Matthias Tillmann, Trivago's CFO and Managing Director. The following discussion, including responses to your questions, reflects management's views as of today, Friday, the 30th of July, 2021, only. Tivago does not undertake any obligation to update or revise this information. As always, some of the statements made on today's call are forward-looking, typically preceded by words such as we expect, we believe, we anticipate, or similar statements. Please refer to the Q2 2021 Operating and Financial Review and the company's other filings with the SEC for information about factors which would cause Tivago's actual results to differ materially from these forward-looking statements. You will find reconciliations of non-GAAP measures to the most comparable gap measures discussed today in Trivago's Operating and Financial Review, which is posted on the company's IR website at ir.trivago.com. You're encouraged to periodically visit Trivago's Investor Relationships site for important content. Given the drastic an unprecedented impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our operating results in 2020. Management believes that comparisons of 2021 results against those for the comparable period of 2019 allow for a better understanding of the progress of our recovery from the pandemic. Comparable 2020 results are included in our appendix for our presentation as well as in our financial and operating review filed as Exhibit 99.1 to the current report on Form 6K filed on the 29th of July 2021. With that, let me turn the call over to Axel. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for our Q2 2021 earnings call. I hope everyone is enjoying the summer and getting to travel a bit. After months of lockdown and almost full isolation at home, our teams have been very relieved when our life opened up and travel restarted. Since then, the sentiment in the company has improved a lot. The travel market has returned to some extent, and colleagues and family members have reunited. More recently, we have started to offer on-campus vaccination to our staff who want one, to allow us to move towards our hybrid setup by end of the quarter. We are happy to take note that all the hard work that we have put into our product and marketing initiatives have shown positive results. In the UK, we have launched a new version of our local travel product offering inspiration for weekend activities. Our alternative revenue streams have gained momentum and a significant number of new customers have been signed up. Our collaborative approach with our advertisers has facilitated a rapid recovery of the auction across multiple markets. 
While we are enjoying this return to travel, we are also very realistic with the current situation. Vaccination levels are still too low in many countries, and the fall is coming. We know that cases will increase again, new variants will emerge, and restrictions might be reimposed to some extent. In either case, we are staying optimistic in this difficult time and see through the ups and downs. A sustainable recovery has started, and we will continue to make progress. With that, I now hand over to Matthias. Thank you, Axel, and good morning, everyone. The positive trend in April that we highlighted during our Q1 call continued throughout the second quarter, and in particular in our segment Developed Europe, we have seen a lot of pent-up demand. Globally, our qualified referrals improved to 56% of 2019 levels compared to 33% in the first quarter, and our referral revenue improved from 18% of 2019 levels in the first quarter to 42% in the second quarter. Our net loss also improved sequentially to 3.3 million euros compared to a net loss of 6.7 million in the first quarter, while our adjusted EBITDA turned positive to 4.3 million euros from minus 4.8 million euros in the first quarter, exceeding our guidance. In most of our core markets in Europe, travel demand started to recover in April. Qualified referrals in that segment were around 35% of 2019 levels in April, which improved to around 65% for the full quarter. In some European markets, qualified referrals even exceeded 2019 levels at the end of the quarter, for example in Germany. With the increase in qualified referrals, we have seen a gradual improvement in our revenue per qualified referral as well. In particular, in Americas and developed Europe, advertisers started to increase their bids following the increase in referrals and bookings. In our segment, Rest of World, in particular in APEC, many markets still had to deal with shutdowns and travel restrictions, hence the recovery there was much more muted. Our return on advertising spend, or ROAS, continued to improve year over two years, However, less than in the first quarter as we ramped up our investments in brand marketing channels in many markets, in addition to performance marketing channels. Excluding advertising expenses, our operational expenses decreased 10% compared to the second quarter last year. The decline was less pronounced than in prior quarters as we started to lap our cost-saving initiatives that we announced last year in May. The main drivers for the decrease in costs are reduction in headcount and office-related savings. In GNA, costs slightly increased as the headcount and office-related savings were offset by a reduction of expected credit losses in the second quarter last year, which was a one-off decrease in expenses that did not repeat this quarter. In selling and marketing, the decrease was partly offset by an increase in TV production and related costs, as we started to advertise on TV in multiple markets again. We remain well capitalized with a cash position of 194 million euro at the end of the second quarter, which is stable compared to the beginning of the quarter. We mentioned the launch of an at-the-market equity program last quarter, but we have not utilized it so far, and we will remain opportunistic with this program. We are now in the middle of the peak summer travel season and, significant, and the significant increase in travel demand uh, we have seen in the second quarter in most European countries continued in July. 
Having said that, the number of new COVID infections in some countries is rising very sharply again due to the new Delta variant, and the overall uncertainty remains high with changing rules and restrictions either still in place or having been put in place on a short notice. Germany, for example, put Spain and the Netherlands on the list of high-risk countries last week, which means that travelers need to quarantine for 10 days when they come back. There are other examples, and whenever new restrictions are being introduced, we can observe a corresponding drop in traffic on our website, and on the other hand, a pickup in demand when restrictions are being lifted. Consequently, the volatility of our traffic remains at elevated levels. In the following, I will share a few more data points on trends in July. All metrics refer to the period from July 1st to July 16th. Um, in developed Europe, qualified referrals were at approximately 80% of 2019 levels and revenue per qualified, uh, revenue per qualified referrals above 80%. I called out Germany already, where we have seen huge pent-up demand and qualified referrals continued to be above 2019 levels during the first two weeks in July. In Americas, qualified referrals year-over two-year growth rates in the first half of July were similar to what we reported for the second quarter, while revenue per qualified referral improved slightly. In rest of world, year-over-two-year qualified referral growth rate slightly improved in the first half of July, while revenue per qualified referral remained around 60% of 2019 levels. In Australia, volumes dropped significantly again in July amid new travel restrictions. The situation remains also challenging in countries like India, Japan, and Russia, which are normally amongst our largest market in that segment. On the other hand, we see positive trends in our central Eastern European markets, where the performance is similar to what we observe in developed Europe. That brings me to our guidance. We believe that travel demand seasonality might be even more centered around the summer months this year compared to our pre-pandemic historical seasonality. As we are increasing our brand marketing investments during this peak travel period, we expect our return on advertising spend to be lower in Q3 compared to Q2. And for the full year, we expect our adjusted EBITDA to be positive. With that, let's open the line for questions, please. Thank you. If you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And the first question comes from the line of Navid Khan from Trusted Securities. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks a lot. A um, uh, quick question on just the um, outlook for uh, for August and September, which is, which is June and July. You said you expect... Uh, uh, you expect the demand to be not as strong as uh, it was in June and July. Uh, I'm just wondering if, uh, if you're, you know, these drops in traffic you're seeing, if the restriction comes up, if if that resurfaces as a demand for like a local booking, or if the demand just simply disappears, how much of this is uh, you being cautious versus uh, uh, a real risk, maybe uh, in terms of booking trends for the next two months? Sure, Navid. Thanks a lot. Um, so, f first of all, um, everything we say uh, regarding future months and, and second half is obviously um, uh, based on, on what we what we believe and, and see as of today, uh, or think is reasonable. But there is, as I said, 
um, a lot of uncertainty uh, in, in any predictions that we make uh, as there continues to be high volatility. So meaning all these changes, particularly in Europe, that are still happening um, have an impact. And, and we do see in some cases that uh, when whenever countries are, are put on restricted lists uh, or whatever, that um, travel demand is dropping. And you cannot necessarily uh, see an immediate shift right away, meaning people then um, book uh, domestic instead. Um, I think for that, uh, it's, it's too, too much noise and, and to say that, but overall we do see um, a decrease when, when that happens, as, as I said. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, as we have seen new travel restrictions um, on short notice, um, that increases obviously the uncertainty for travelers. Um, and um, let me give you one specific example. As, as I mentioned before, um, Germany announced last week that we were um, uh, that when you're coming back from from Spain or the Netherlands that you have to quarantine for um, 10 days, and, and you can shorten that actually uh, to five days um, when uh, when you're negatively tested after five days. But when when they announced that, we saw traffic in in Spain dropping on our platform. Um, which obviously was also a result of the increase in, in new infections in, in that country. So as we are approaching the end of summer travel period, we expect that the seasonal decline in traffic on our platform will be more pronounced than what we have seen historically pre-pandemic, um, as people have to go um, through more hassle to do the actual travel, and uh, we believe they will be less um, uh, inclined to do so um, after the, the peak summer travel season. Understood. And maybe, uh, maybe just a, um, a follow-up on, on, on some of the commentary provided in the past. So length of stay, are you continuing to see that uh, being longer? And then uh, also, when I look at the QR, the qualified referral volume for Europe and compare that to where it was in Americas, uh, it was nicely above. And I'm wondering if that's a reflection of European demand now exceeding the Americas, or is it just an allocation of your own ad dollars? Uh, and that ultimately translating into these QR volumes. Sure. Yeah. Let me let me start with your second question first. I, I think it's a combination. Yeah. So um, we have clearly seen um, that uh, the U.S. started first to recover. We we mentioned that before, um, and and that obviously is our biggest market in in the segment Americas, and, and that was already the case in in March. Um, whereas beginning of April, pretty much all countries in Europe were still in lockdown. And then with more and more countries in Europe opening up and lifting restrictions and the, uh, the, the outlook for summer uh, became more positive, we have seen uh, a steep increase in, in travel demand and activity. And um, so then going into May, we saw that uh, because of that increase in demand, um, Europe started to, to overtake Americas for, for us on our platform as a segment. And obviously, um, we had plans already uh, before to um, invest into the recovery, as we as we also mentioned before, and um, uh, with with uh, seeing that positive trend, we we were more confident to to do it and and to do it at the more aggressive levels maybe that that we anticipated, and then uh, you you reinforce what what you see, um, uh, and particularly on the on the brand side, um, where we invested um, um, according to our plan. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's a combination, um, but first driven by um, by the pickup in demand that we saw in, in most European markets. Um, on your second question, length of stay, um, so it has slightly increased in our segments, Americas and developed Europe, compared to 2019. 
Um, average booking value has also increased in both segments, but not as much. Um, but I think there are a lot of mix effects in there, um, most notably destination and trip type shifts. Um, and it is hard to predict how this could look like in a post-pandemic world. Um, in, in the end, I believe uh, supply and pricing will be rele relevant um, once travel has normalized, and uh, there I do not expect tectonic shifts. Um, it will be interesting to see how people change their travel behavior outside the peak summer travel season. Um, I mean, that's something to be seen. Um, and I don't know, a topic has came up with more flexible work conditions. It could be that people travel more frequently and combine it with work. But again, I think it's too early uh, to see a meaningful, uh, meaningful shift there yet. Makes sense. Thank you, Matthias. Thanks, Navid. Thank you. And the next question comes from the line of Brian Fitzgerald from Wells Fargo. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Hey, guys. I wanted to ask a, a little bit about something on um, <clears throat> local activities um, and because they're they're kind of so relevant in, in kind of COVID operations and, and with the release of the new UK version. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you may be able to get the consumers to come back to Trivago after the initial lodging booking, either when they are closer to travel dates or in destination or, or choosing activities while there. Um, and then what level of cross-seller penetration are you seeing now um, in terms of activities and, and where do you want that to get to um, longer term? Uh, thanks for the question. So I think first of all, it's important to say that we are and we've just launched, yeah? so so we have limited insight. Um, but but strategically, um, and also from a user value proposition, we we think the the product is very exciting because it allows you um, a in the local travel product um, to have more reasons to travel. Yeah? So so what are the reasons to travel statically to to go to a certain place? But then also um, looking forward, what are time-sensitive reasons to travel, what are certain concerts, exhibitions, etc., at a certain destination that are um, very good reasons to travel um, to a certain place at a, a certain point in time. And with our local travel product, we want to inspire travel um, as well as generate the booking. And so that, that's why we, we think it's a very important feature. But you can also use the same feature without even traveling. And there, um, from, from a user value proposition, but also for, for us, um, the, the big benefit is obviously that you can use the product a lot more often. It is basically relevant every week. Um, to, to, be, to be fair, I mean, we, we don't have a, a complete catalog of activities yet. It is a starting point, and we will continuously add uh, activities and make it more and more relevant. Therefore, um, I think it's a bit too early to tell what exactly the cross usage will be, but um, but we we think it's it's highly relevant and uh, it's very useful to our users. Got it. And then maybe one follow-up if I could. Um, it, it's just the 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 kind of favorable row as you're seeing um, on that two-year stack. Um, wondering if you could share your expectations for how that might trend as the environment normalizes, you know, in the back half of the year? Are you seeing any structural changes in the market that would benefit uh, your ROAS on a sustainable basis? Um, you know, any, any changes to Google, um, stuff they've done to MetaSearch, anything that, that is going to give you kind of beneficial 
ROAS tailwinds on a on a sustainable uh, basis? Yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, um, we said that we will invest into the recovery by ramping up TV and online video um, and other brand campaigns, and and that is what we started in in May and continued in June and July. And this naturally leads to lower ROAS compared to periods where you significantly reduce your brand marketing investment. Um, going into Q4 this year, we will balance our marketing spend mix again, as we have always done historically, um, with a lower share of brand spend. Um, on the performance marketing side, our approach has not really changed. Yeah? We, we continue to invest at long-term sustainable ROI targets. Um, and hence, overall, we, we expect ROAS to sequentially decline in Q3 versus Q2 and then to increase again in, in Q4. Um, so what that, what that means um, for, for next year, I mean, on the brand marketing side, we usually sit together after the summer season and reflect on the results and, and uh, um, uh, plan the next year. Um, so right now it is very interesting um, to run different campaigns in many markets. We get a ton of learnings and we will incorporate that into our brand marketing strategy for next year. But again, it, it's too early to tell. If anything, um, it, what, what I can say already is that we um, got some, some nice learnings in, in online video, in particular in the US. Um, so that could potentially be play, uh, play a bigger role in, in our mix. Um, and um, on the um, performance marketing side, um, I think, again, there um, we, we don't see big changes. Um, um, we increased our eye targets already before the pandemic and, and have seen good results. And, and so far, I'm very happy with how we managed through the crisis. And the teams have really done an excellent job there. So, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't foresee any, any big changes at this point. Got it. Um, thanks, Axel. Thanks, Matthias. Thank you. Thank you. And the next question comes from the line of Sean Patil from SIG. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Um, hey, guys. It's Ryan on for Sean. Um, just two, two quick ones for me. Um, first, on, I just want to touch on booking windows. Um, are booking windows uh, changing in markets where, where travel is coming back? Is that sort of an, an indicator of demand or leading or lagging indicator? Um, and then secondly, on brand marketing. Um, are you just planning to be a relatively temporary pickup in 3Q, or are you planning on sort of elevating that uh, and, and hoping to capture demand as it continues to come back throughout the next several quarters? Thanks. Sure. Yeah, so on, on booking windows, um, uh, they have not changed significantly in America and Europe going into the peak summer season on our platform at least. Um, in rest of the world, on the other hand, the booking window has shortened quite a bit, um, but I think that is more a result of the overall drop in volumes and um, travel restriction, um, and all compared to 2019 um, that, that we have seen in, in that segment. Um, on the brand marketing side, um, I mean, for, for the rest of the year, it's, it's as I said, we, um, we are in, in the middle of the peak season right now. So um, that is when we invest. Um, we, we started to gradually increase our investment um, as of uh, early June and um, uh, will continue um, throughout the third quarter. And then normally uh, what we do when we go in, into autumn and, and winter, we um, reduce, and, and we, we will do that uh, this year as well. And um, there are two main reasons for that. One is um, 
that uh, overall volumes uh, normally go down. And as I said before, um, it, it, it could be given still restrictions and uh, uncertainty that uh, this happens even to, to a larger extent than what we have seen historically. And then secondly, um, for our largest uh, brand channel TV, uh, normally going into um, October, November, December, um, pricing um, gets more expensive as um, for, for the um, uh, Christmas season, uh, a lot of retailer um, uh, use TV and driving up prices. Um, and that at a time when um, for us, the, the seasonal demand is at the low. So there I wouldn't foresee any change. And, and then um, what we will do um, getting out of, uh, coming out of, of the year and going into January next year, that's something um, we will discuss uh, uh, in, in the next couple of weeks and months. Great, thanks. Thank you. Thank, thank you. And the next question comes from the line of James Lee from Mitsuo. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Great, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, on the shareholder letter, you guys talk about mixed ship towards uh, hotels uh, versus alternative accommodation. Can you maybe elaborate or even quantify that mixed shift and which region are you seeing the most impact? And also, secondly, big picture uh, question. As you kind of evaluate your product portfolio, which products do you want to double down and which products do you want to rationalize? Is it part of your long-term goal to transition your business into a more, more or less content discovery uh, business that drives top-of-the-funnel advertising instead of just relying on transaction advertising. Thanks. So on, on your first question on the accommodation mix, um, it, last year we've seen a very significant shift towards alternative accommodation, and, and I think we've talked about it um, uh, in length. What we are seeing this year is that uh, with the market recovering further, that that shift towards alternative accommodation is partially um, uh, reverting. Not to the, the starting point that we've seen in 2019, but somewhere in between, which also makes sense because hotel capacity can be added much more quickly. And with, a, with a, um, the higher level of recovery in many, many markets, the, um, the destination mix is, is also becoming a bit more normal than, than pre-pandemic levels. Having said that, we, we do believe that the, the longer-term trend um, towards alternative accommodation will continue even after the pandemic, but not to the, to the same extent and as disruptive as uh, it might have seemed in last summer season. On your second question on our product, um, product strategy and product focus, I mean, we've, we've been for many, many, many years a single product company, just hotel price comparison. Um, and we've only relatively speaking recently um, uh, with alternative accommodation in November 2017 um, and that folio of, uh, of products that serve the various needs of our core users. Great. Thanks, Axel. Thank you. And the next question comes from the line of Jason Bazanet from City. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Thanks. Um, so I have sort of an unusual question. During during the um, earlier this year, many buy siders were just very animated about owning any sort of reopening stock. And 
the thesis was is that there would be a quarter or two of sort of an overshoot, you will, you know, something that was above sort of the 2019 run rate just as all this sort of pent-up demand got unleashed. And more recently, I've heard from some clients that they're nervous that the demand in some markets might be so strong that the hotels themselves, you know, need the OTAs and therefore MetaSearch less because the demand is so strong in some markets. It, do you think that thesis has any credence, or is that just sort of a little bit not not consistent with what you're seeing in, in the real world? Thanks. That is that is a very good question. Um, the the answer is not that straightforward. Um, it it the okay. the uh, the demand patterns are are still not even. Yeah. So the uh, as last summer, you've got. Uh, leisure um, destinations at the beach and the mountains with significantly greater demand than um, than city destinations, big cities. Um, and so, um, in the in the leisure destinations, the demand is is very strong. Um, whether that leads overall to a shift in the market dynamics, I I would be skeptical whether that were to be true. Um, because it's a very special situation, um, but I, I wouldn't rule out that some individual hotels um, are, are focusing more on their on their own efforts, but um, I, I don't see a, um, a strategic shift um, in the um, in the distribution structure and the market. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. And the next question comes from the line of Kevin Koppelmann from Cohen. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Great. Thank you so much. Um, just had one question. Could you can you discuss um, what you're seeing from advertiser bid intensity as it relates to what you believe they're seeing in downstream conversion, um, and maybe just talk about how that uh, has compared to before the pandemic and how that's developed. Thanks. Yeah. So on the on the auction dynamics, um, we've seen this quarter. A significant improvement in the overall auction dynamics, um, really driven by by um, a broadly more optimistic view uh, about the summer and and also obviously about the potential cancellation risk. Um, so it has really been very broad across all our um, long year partners, um, and the result of that has has been a significant improvement in in the auction. Um, how that would compare to pre-pandemic? That's, a, that's very difficult to answer, to be perfectly honest. I mean, what, what we can say is that, that the trend in the last, last couple of months has been very positive, and there's generally speaking a lot more optimism. In particular, for, for summer, there is a lot of optimism. But as we've also said, I mean, our, our view um, is that there is some risk in, in uh, autumn and in winter coming. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if some of our advertisers would have a similar view. Yeah, and just to add to that, um, I mean, as you know, Kevin, um, we have no great visibility um, on, on cancellation rates, et cetera, or anything that would impact uh, our advertisers' conversion. Um, but a good proxy for us is looking at our CPC bits in, in our auction. And unless uh, there is a large shift in conversion, uh, our eye targets of our advertisers or other mixed effects, uh, CPC bits are a good um, indication for current and expected cancellation rates. And as Axel said, we have seen a gradual improvement in CPC bids um, throughout the second quarter, and, and that is reflected mm -hmm. in the RPQR. So the trends I, I talked about and what you can see from our disclosure, the improvement there um, um, is, is 
potentially coming or, or it's potentially also related to that. Um, so just looking at this, I would assume that cancellation rates have come down overall um, sequentially. Thanks, Matthias. Thanks, Axel. That's very helpful. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. And the next question comes from the line of Doug Amos from JP Morgan. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Hi, this is Daily Alfred Doug. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, I have two. First one, um, just talk a bit more about your brand marketing diversification efforts. Um, what benefits are you seeing in these new channels, and um, does this change how you, you approach TV going forward? Um, and then secondly, um, you talked about, about a new B2B backend services that you're piloting with multiple partners. What service are you providing, and uh, why did you decide to go down? Yeah, thanks, Bay. Um, I will take the, the first question. Um, so, I mean, overall, um, we we do not uh, disclose our exact channel mix and and what we are doing there. But on a on a higher level, um, I mean, brand marketing, um, as we said in in the past, very focused on TV. Um, TV is still our our largest uh, channel in in that segment, and um, we will continue to to invest in that. Um, at the same time, um, we we started to um, not only this year, but but last year and and the year before started with smaller tests in alternative branded channels. Um, obviously, a big one being online video, um, and um, there we we scaled this up uh, um, this year more than than last year. And um, we we talked about it before. The the key reason being that. Um, when you when you are in the the first phase of the recovery and the full market is not back yet, um, TV as a mass medium can be quite expensive, and then you want to be more targeted, and that you can achieve with with online video, and uh, that's what what we have done. There are obviously other interesting aspects as well, like uh, um, different demographics, different target groups, um, things you you cannot easily do on TV. You can can do um, maybe better on on other channels. Um, on, on the other hand, obviously, uh, you have to look at the pricing as well, have to look at conversion and um, how that translates then longer term into repeat behavior. Um, that is obviously still something um, we, uh, where we need to, to get more data and, and need to do more tests. Um, but we are happy uh, with, with what we are seeing so far. Yeah, on, on, your, on your second question, um, I mean, like with our B2C products, we... We are we are looking at the market and and um, trying to identify customer needs. And on the B2B side, what we've seen last year is that with a significant drop in volumes, there um, the, we think that a new opportunity arose. Um, what, on the one side, a lot of travel companies have seen that their volume dropped quite a bit, and it was increasingly difficult using own infrastructure to provide a good service to their own users by having fresh prices, um, um, fresh, fresh content, fresh availabilities available uh, without um, an, a prohibitive cost um, in maintaining the infrastructure. On the other hand, a lot of advertisers um, were also um, increasingly struggling with maintaining marketing channels that were becoming too small um, because if you drop below a certain volume of data, it is very, very difficult to submit precise bits um, and bits that are not, not de facto random. So we saw that opportunity and thought that we could actually step into, into this um, 
this opportunity and, and provide a service where everybody is winning. Um, the, the travel websites that get much more accurate prices and much fresher um, availabilities and rates. Um, the advertisers, by not having to manage multiple platforms that are subscale, but basically leveraging our scale and our infrastructure and our connectivity, and us by, uh, by providing a service that is an alternative revenue stream um, that is, um, is, 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 is more diversified from our core business and uh, follows a very different logic. So we started to work on that opportunity last year, and uh, we now have the first partners live in, in testing. So it's like with, with a lot of the other things that we talked about, it's, uh, it's very exciting. We are very, very excited about it, but it's a bit too early to tell um, and to, to estimate how big and how um, successful this new product line could be. Um, but it is obviously a, a great moment to, to have a product live and to get real customer and real world feedback. Got it. Thanks, Matthias. Thanks, Axel. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Tom White from Davidson. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Oh, great. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. I guess, uh, first off, maybe a follow-up to the question about auction dynamics uh, and cancellation rates. I, I remember a couple quarters ago you guys talked about uh, exploring kind of a cost per acquisition product. Um, you know that that factored in cancellation, and I, I was curious uh, whether whether that's still a focus, and, and whether that's giving you any insight into, you know, um, kind of trends in cancellation rates. And then, uh, second, um, you know, the the different products that you guys have talked about over the last several months uh, in terms of trying to diversify uh, the business a bit. So, uh, sponsored listings, display, uh, tours and activities. Uh, you know, maybe this new B two B thing. Um, any sense like what percentage of, of revenues, you know, that that is sort of in total those might come to represent, you know, in, in 12, 18, 24 months? Uh, thank you. Sure. On, on the auction dynamics, we do offer um, uh, a gross CPA uh, automated bidding feature to all of our partners that is not factoring cancellations, um, but, but is basically um, invoicing not by click but by gross bookings. And we do have a product for individual hotels that is actually invoicing um, on a net CPA um, basis, so which is, was recently launched and, um, and is, is currently basically in testing um, in terms of scale. So um, again, it, it, it's a bit too early to tell what the real impact is on, uh, of the net CPA um, product for individual hotels. The gross CPA product for our larger partners is, is very popular within particularly smaller smaller partners, uh, whereas the, the big partners have their own algorithms and their own bidding teams and, and prefer to, to bid on their own. But um, <clears throat> for, for a lot of our medium-sized and smaller partners, it is, it's a great service and, and the feedback is very positive. On the alternative revenue streams, um, it is I – mean, we're making – Making good progress, um, so we are we are signing up more and more partners, as I also mentioned in my opening remarks. Um, but um, it, it's a new business. Uh, there we, we have to be honest to ourselves, and um, and we have a very very sizable core business. So it will take some time for these new activities to uh, make up a significant share of our overall revenue. Um, but we, we are still excited about it, and and think that it is important for us to diversify um, away from our 
um, our core revenue streams um, and um, and be less less dependent on the pure CPC auction. Thank you. And the next question comes from the line of Brian Novak from Morgan Stanley. Please ask your question. Your line is now open. Hi, this is uh, Brian. Thanks for taking the question. I'm just following up on the, on the new revenue stream. Actually, you mentioned uh, you're about uh, a year into this. It's launched in, in 2020. We've got 80 partners uh, live at the end of, of 2Q. So obviously, a lot of progress made here. But as you think about the next 12 months, Sorry, there you're breaking up there. We can, um, uh, Alex. Uh, sorry, you're breaking up there. Uh, we we can barely hear you. I mean, I, I guess you're you're asking about the um, the new products, display ads, and uh, sponsored listings, and and but I, I couldn't understand your question. So let me let me I I think you you were asking about uh, the outlook for the next 12 months. So let me try to answer that question. Um, so so um, we are in a way there there are two directions and two levers. One is um, to have new advertisement um, products for existing partners, uh, onboard the partners to the products, um, get them up the learning curve, experiment uh, with the products and calibrate them. That that is what what we are doing right now, and um, and we see that the benefit is complementary to our existing core product because it, it, they, the product allows some messaging um, on the website which our core product doesn't. It, that's purely transactional. But the the more exciting part, and and that's I think more related to to what you're after. Um, what what is the outlook? We are also onboarding completely new partners um, that are not in the core travel segment, but more travel related. And we've onboarded um, a significant number of uh, DMOs. Um, and that, that is quite exciting because they are going more in, in cycles where you onboard um, and secure a budget that is then um, used over the next month and, and in some cases even, even uh, over the next year. Um, and that, that is a segment where um, in the past we, we have not managed to um, make significant inroads and, and um, right now we actually have signed up uh, a significant number of DMOs already. So, so that's very exciting and promising. Again, in the current market environment, it is almost impossible to forecast what will happen the next 12 months because it's not only the volume complexity but also the the mix um, in destinations, travel restrictions that can have a huge impact on on certain campaigns by our partners, and then not not uh, each one of our partner is is um, benefiting and also hit by by uh, surge and travel and by restriction and travel at the same um, to the same extent. So um, we are we're taking a pragmatic approach there. Um, we are working on these initiatives and trying to get better every day. And some of them will have a greater impact a bit sooner and some a bit later. Um, but I think that's, that's all we can do in a highly volatile environment. Thank you. Um, if you still wish to ask a question, please press star and one on your telephone keypad. 
and wait for your name to be announced. There are no further questions at this point. May I hand over for closing remarks? Many thanks for taking the time to participate in today's earnings call. As we look forward, I want to reiterate how proud I am of what our company and our employees have achieved in this unprecedented time. Travel is an essential part of our life. It's not going away, but it will look different than what we have, seen, what we have been used to. We are thinking about our business beyond COVID and remain focused on building a product that will be part of our users' daily life. We will emerge from this as a stronger company, agile, and will adapt for the long run. Before I close, I would like to say a few words about the catastrophic floods that have hit us in the past few weeks. My hometown has been completely flooded. Many villages and whole regions have been wiped out. Despite all the tragedy and the suffering from this disaster, we should also see this as a warning sign of what our future will look like if we individually, as businesses, and as societies don't change our behavior. I wish you a safe and enjoyable rest of the summer and look forward to speaking to you next quarter. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may all disconnect speakers. Please stand by.